morning again, and thank you again for being with us. Uh, we're beginning a new series today, and so let me ask you a couple of questions as we begin this new series. How many of you have actually pondered the existential questions of life? And you may go, I don't even know what those are. Well, let me give some of them to you. What's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of my life? Is there a God? Where do I go when I die? Now, there's plenty more than those, but those are usually the ones that we, are the, that the world really kind of considers. For most of us, these existential questions, uh, we find the answers, and we know the answers, because we've been given them through our Son, Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, and we know that we can find those answers in our God and Father and our Savior. And so we do not have to seek those answers because we actually know them because the Spirit is in us, God is in us, and Jesus is in us. And so as we begin this new series today, I've titled it Identity. And I'm basing this on a series on actually on John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. That's where we're going to be. And the reason for this series is I don't know if we really truly know who we are. Okay, wait, wait. I don't know if we truly know whose we are. And I think that's a better question and a better thought. In many ways, a church can actually be this aimless group of believers traveling from one Sunday to the next, and we find ourselves disoriented, not knowing who we are, not knowing our true identity in Christ, whose are we? And when it comes to our identity, there are actually no billboards. There's not, nothing attached at our ankles when we are born that says, hey, here's your purpose. Here's your mission in life. Just go achieve that. It's not there. So have you found it? Have you found your mission in life, your purpose in life? Do you know what that is? For some, for some, we wander around searching for our, our identity, our purpose. Going from this to that, we're like shifting sand, being blown by the wind, by every wave of culture and every wave of doctrine. We have no understanding of how we actually all fit. How do I fit into the grand scheme of God's plan for me? And so, therefore, if we don't know that, we feel adrift and we drift back and forth in life. And there's so many causes for why we drift back and forth, the shifting sands of life. I believe the main cause is because we've misplaced our identity. We've misplaced our identity. We have identity confusion. We don't actually know whose we are. So it's challenging, really, isn't it? It's challenging because there's so many voices in our world today. There's voices that are vast and they're also in our face. They're saying, hey, be an athlete, be a doctor, a social media influencer, be a millionaire, be smart, be handsome or gorgeous, be happy, wealthy, and wise. And not one of those voices out there in the culture is calling out, be mine. Come follow me. I have a great adventure for you. And I will make you fishers of men. And I empathize with all of us, with ourselves in these, who find ourselves in these awkward predicaments many times. 
It's hard for us to know who we are when many times in our culture we're faced with the bombardment that is all around us of this culture that just seems to be just hammering us every single day, that tug and the pull of culture. It causes us to drift from God, the God who created us to be. Now, drifting also occurs when significant changes occur in our life, like an illness or a diagnosis, a loss of a spouse, a parent or a child, or maybe a job loss. Our world becomes shaken at those times, and the person we were is not the person we are now, and the questions that come to us, it just leads us to doubt, why isn't God here? Why is it any help me? Why can't I? And those just lead to doubt. For others, life also just gets in the way. It just gets in the way. It's our job, it's our children, it's our marriage, it's the bills, it's the work. There's so much expected of us, so much to do, so little time to deliver everything that everybody expects of us. It's not how we thought life would be, but it just seems like it just gets more, there's more required and more overwhelming every day that we live. The demands of life are vast, and we have a difficult time, difficult time holding on to our faith. We find ourselves in much less time than we thought we would, and therefore we put God, since all of this is going on, we just put God on the back burner for now. Maybe there'll be a day, maybe there'll be a time that I'll come back and really put my emphasis on my spiritual life, my faith. Walk. But you're here today. We're here today. We're a family. And as a family, we join together with our struggles, with our weariness that we have from this world and all the stuff that's going on. And even in our drifting, we still hear that small voice from God and we come together as a believing group of believers hearing these words from Jesus. And they're on the screen. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus says, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Okay, so I praise God for the tension that we live in, that tension of this identity going this way and being pulled this way or being pulled this other way. And yes, holding on is hard. Holding on to our faith is hard. Our identity, who God created us to be, is worth fighting for. It is. So don't give up. You're loved. You are loved. And as a family, we are on this journey together. We live in this tension together. Allowing God, we want to allow God to form our identity and not this world to form our identity. And we know that which gets our attention, that which gets our attention is that which takes our time and energy away. And if it's garbage in, it's also garbage out. And all of us have been there. Every single one of us. 
myself included. And we know all this. There's not one thing I've told you already that you don't know. Every one of us have gone through these things, have heard the deceptive voices in our lives, have felt that lure and felt that pull from others. But brothers and sisters, we have the holy with inside of us. We have the holy with inside of us. And in this series, I want to challenge our assumptions, a challenge how we see things. I want us to go on a journey to help us and to find the answers to the question of whose are we? Now, I can tell you this, that I think that this journey, this is going to be a very deliberate journey, and it's also going to be a soul-searching journey. You're going to have to dig down. You're going to have to think about your own life. You're going to have to reflect about where you are and be honest with yourself and God. The answers will not be found during this one week, one hour a week. That's not where the answers will be found. And if you're not in community with someone, a community in a life group with someone, you need to be there. Because we are going to need to be seeking the will of God with others, eating the Word of God, trying to understand His will for our lives, contemplating principles. And that can't be done without community with others. And so I beg you over these next few weeks that you do that. When we come together, get with your group, get with your connect group, your life group, whatever you want to call it, and be a part of that. It is well worth it. Before we start digging in, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Lord, all of us feel the pool, the pool of the culture around us. We feel the pool of Satan and his evil schemes. Lord, I pray that you will be with us as we go through this study. Because I want us to know you. To know our true identity in you. I pray that you will guide us and be with us during this study. We love you more than anything else. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So let me ask you a question. How many of you really know how much God loves you? I mean, Dan, God loves you. God loves you. Glenn, God loves you. Robert, God loves you. Molly, back there, God loves you. And everybody's ready for me to stop, right? Do you realize how much God loves each and every one of us? It's amazing how much He loves us. And I can hear some of you say, well, surely not me, because if God knows me like I know me, I don't think He would like me. In fact, I know He doesn't like me. Yes, He does. Yes, He does. He loves you. And whether you're a saint or a sinner, in which we're both, which you're a saint or a sinner here today, 
Our God loves us. He loves each and every one of us. And I want you to say this verse together. Here, we're going to say this verse together. Ready? Here we go. Everybody say it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. In Lake Homa, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are family. We are family. And we are loved. Jesus, the anointed one, never locked eyes with another that He did not love. Every single person he locked eyes with, he loved. Our God is thrilled that you are here this morning. Whatever your pains, whatever your hurts, whatever the things in your life that you keep hidden away from everybody else that you do not want to have them see, God loves you. He loves you. And he's thrilled that we are here together. And Satan hates it. He hates that we are here together. That we are building on one another's strength. And loving one another. And yet, there's still the scary thought. The thought that comes to my mind. That not everybody in this room Not everybody in this room. On the day of Christ's return, we'll meet him in the air. And we will wonder, we will wonder why. And we'll cry out saying these words that Jesus says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away with me, you evildoers. And brothers and sisters, that's hard for me to say. Because I love you. Our shepherds love you. And we love each other. And the question, the very biggest question, existential question I think we have to ask as Christians is this, and it's on the screen, whose are we? Whose are we? Am I this world's or am I my Father's, my Heavenly Father's? Whose are we? Last week, Tatum and Tate gave their lives to Jesus Christ. They made a decision to be joined with Jesus, to be His disciple, to walk with Him, to obey Him, to follow Him, to be a servant. They were washed in the blood of the Lamb, the continual cleansing blood of that Lamb. And some of you are here today, and you need to make that same decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. You need to join Him in that watery grave and die to self and be raised to walk in this newness of life, that wedding ceremony, the wedding ceremony of a union of two becoming one. And I'm not just talking to my young people, the young people here today. I'm talking to the adults in this room who have never actually made that decision to make Jesus Lord of your life. 
that identity, having that identity, whose am I? Why am I here? What are the questions that we have as we think about this series on identity? Okay, let me shift a little bit. You may think this is crazy. Something fascinating for me. Did you realize that before God said, let there be light, there was a plan in place for our lives? Did you realize that before God said, let there be light, there was a plan in place for every single person here, your life, every single person here, your name was written in the book of life before one of them ever came to be. I'll get to that passage in just a minute. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, we read this. He chose us in Him, chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. David put it this way in the Psalms. All the days, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before, before one of them came to be. David understood this, this book of life, that it was there, and that all his days were ordained for him before one of them actually came to be. And that reminds John, I think, and when Jesus says this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, and he says this, He who overcomes will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. But that name can be blotted out. That's what Revelation 13 Verse 8, and it's not on the screen, it says, All who will dwell on earth, who worship the beast, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain, those are the ones who will not make it. And you may ask, James, I don't get all this before. Everything that happened before God said, let there be light. Everything that happened then how does God know whose are His before the foundation of the world? I, I mean, I'm not even through living yet, and I don't even know what, what my life is going to be like. I'll come back to that in a second. But as you, look at the, as you look at our text in John 1, verse 1, here's what you see. In John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning. What beginning is that? After creation or way before was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. It draws us back to that creation story where it says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. The first words that Jesus, that, that is uttered in John, in the beginning was the Word. But John's gospel also gives us a glimmer of this, this what happened here. I'm trying to get you to understand that there was something bigger, something more than just let there be light. There was something that is a theology that is all through the Scriptures that talks about this before time. Before time. 
In John 17, verse 5, Jesus says these words. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And then in 17, verse 24, he says this, Father, I want all those, all those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. And you may ask, how can this be? How can God know all my days even before creation? That's impossible. What does this mean for me? What does it mean for us? Before foundation of the world, there was a plan formed, a plan formed in the mind of God for you, for me, for us. There was a plan that was formed. It was a glorious plan. And you may say, okay, why? Why? Okay, so I'm asking you to, I know, I'm, I'm stretching your brains a little bit, hopefully. I want you to think deeply about this. I want you to think deeply right now. And imagine this, this time before time. In Revelation 1, verse 8, it said, Jesus says, I am the Alpha. God says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. Before time, before our world existed, God existed, right? We know this, but we never talk about it. It's an amazing thing. He's always been here. What was he doing here? What was, it, what was going on in him? In Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our true God, our one true God does not change. He does not change. His character does not change. God is a God of love. And God you see before time is the God you see now. He does not change. He does not change. And before time, God was looking, he was looking, he was thinking, I've got a plan in place because I want people, I want to create people who will love me. People I can care for. People I can, created in my own being, created in my own image, the Imago Dei. I want to cre- create, and every single one of us in here are created in the image of God. But God knew. God knew if I create these beings, I can't just create them to love me because if they love me, then that's not love, that's servitude. And so I must have a way in which I give them a choice. I give you, everybody in here, a choice whether I'm going to love God or not. I'm going to give you a choice. And that choice And in turn, I will give you the full depth and my love and my grace and my patience and my care. But the problem is what? The problem is is that you give people a choice, what do they choose? And every single one of us, every single one of us, have chosen to deny, reject, or disobey God. 
in Romans, Romans 3, verse 23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So God in His infinite wisdom, God in His infinite wisdom before the earth was created, knew there would have to be an avenue, there's going to have to be an avenue in which my children can be made whole. From the beginning of time, Jesus knew, God knew that He was going to have to send His Son for us before time. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 9 says this, Although I am least that less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So this plan is now known to us. That was kept way back here. In Isaiah 46.10, it says, God, this is about God. I make known the end, the end from the beginning. It's exactly what God is doing. I'm making known the end all the way from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come. My purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. God desires his children. God desires his children to reach out to him and actually find him, although God's not very far from us at all. Okay, so I've done a lot of preaching here just now. And our text is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And we haven't, and I'm about through with this lesson, and I haven't even gotten into that yet. You can tell what kind of series this is going to be, can't you? It's awesome. Here's what I want to do. I'd like all of y'all to stand as we read God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Though Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. 
For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. You may be seated. I have been overwhelmed by these passages of Scripture over the past few weeks as I've looked into this. And with every time I go through this and look at these passages, I just cry out for wisdom and I cry out for discernment. Please help me. Because to truly grasp just these 18 verses is almost too much for me. This text just keeps beating me up and beating me up. And I don't... I don't really, fully, really feel adequate to actually be the one trying to do this. You need a scholar, and you need a philosopher, and I am neither one of those. I can just tell you right up front, I'm not. But for some reason, I believe that the Spirit has placed this on my heart. He's placed me on, this on my heart so that I can dig into this. I have a mentor in Texas And I told him what I was doing. He said, James, you are going into deep water. And I went, yeah, I guess I am. I guess I am. But there's something that just, there's a verse in John. And the reason it's in there is for this. And I love this verse. It's what Jimmy read to us. And it's verse 31, and it says this. But these are written, the written, all the words that John has written to this point, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. That gives me hope. This gives me hope. And that John is saying, this is written so that we believe. Yes, is there theology in it? Yes, is it almost too much for us? Yes, is it hard to understand? Yes, but there's something in there. There's something in this book. There's something in this whole book that that John is saying, it is there for you so that you have a heart and a love for Jesus. And I want you to capture that. And I pray that we can capture that as well. John's gospel is about life. It's about true life. Having that true life. Discovering our purpose. One's identity. Whose we are in Yeshua Messiah. In Jesus Christ, the anointed one. This journey of understanding God's will for us. Understanding our identity. It will challenge us, it will instruct us, and hopefully motivate us. But let me just let you know this. This is not about us. This series is not about us. It is a, it's for us. This study is about the holy. It's about the holy. It's His holiness, His nature, His character, His passion, His love, His faithfulness. It's about our decision, our decisions. Will we serve the true and living 
God? Will we make Him the ruler and Lord of our lives? Will our identity be formed in Him? John 14, verses 6 through 7, very, everybody knows this, but Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So over the next few weeks, or what, however long it takes, I will pray, I ask that you pray for me and pray for us as we dig into God's word, trying to unlock our minds to understand his will, to found, find our identity in Christ. Now this morning, the invitation has already been given. And don't, re- and don't forget that if you ever need to talk to an elder, you can always text, you can always email, you can always call, you can call any of us as well. We are here. And we want you to know we are here. We're here for you. And we want to make sure that you understand that and know that. I love you all. Let's stand and sing.